You are listening to Meet to the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 147. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Mia P. Maranzala, who is a writer from Chicago. Her debut novel, Arsenic and Adobo, comes out on May 4th with Berkeley Penguin Random House. It's the first book in the Tita Rossi's Kitchen Mystery Series. Had a great time talking with Mia about her writing journey, about querying for agents, getting a publishing deal, Filipino food, cozy mysteries, and a lot more. So stay tuned for that interview coming right up. First up, though, I want to let you know about this uh, great deal being offered by the uh, folks over at AppSumo. This will mostly interest you if you're needing royalty-free images uh, for your website, social media postings, Facebook ads, etc. You're going to need royalty-free stock images. And AppSumo teams up with Deposit Photo for an amazing deal. And whenever they team up for this uh, type of uh, promo sale, I always jump on it. And so I want to let you know about it. Because when it comes to stock photos, you want royalty-free access to an absolutely massive library of high-quality images that Deposit Photo offers. And you'll gain access to uh, their library of 195-plus million royalty-free stock photos and vector images. Absolutely incredible. And this is perfect for authors, uh, bloggers, advertisers, videographers, and agencies who want high-quality stock content. You get 100 stock photos and vector images downloads of any size, small, medium, and large, with unlimited uh, stacking, so you can end up getting thousands of uh, royalty-free images uh, if you want, and the credits never expire, so that's awesome. Right now, I have over 250 credits already uh, from these uh, past deals, and I'm going to go jump on this and uh, probably add another 100 or maybe even 200 more credits uh, so I don't have to worry about finding great uh, quality royalty free stock images for any of my needs so uh, go check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash stock and that is my affiliate link uh, so it's a great way to pick up a great deal as well as supporting the podcast so i appreciate that go check it out at thrillingreads.com forward slash stock all right here is my interview with mia p mansala uh, hey everybody this is alan with meet the thriller author and on the podcast today we're meeting uh, mia p Manansala, who is a writer from Chicago. Her debut novel, Arsenic and Adobo, comes out on May 4th with the Berkeley Penguin Random House. They keep merging all, of, all the publishing yeah. houses. <laughs> it's the first book in the Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mystery Series. Welcome to the podcast, Mia. Yay, thanks for having me, Alan. Yeah, thanks for being on here. And so uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to, to get you here to your first uh, book getting published? Sure. Um, so my writing journey is not that long, but it's definitely not a straight journey. Um, <laughs> I started writing um, seriously, like like I'm going to finish a book and try to get this published back in maybe 2015. Um, and I've always wanted to be a writer, but I just I was never able to finish anything. I never really had any focus or, or real vision. Um, but at that time, I was like. I was having like this weird like quarter life. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be 30 soon. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I had spent some time teaching. I had spent years teaching abroad. And so like I had just come back home and I felt like I came back to exactly the same place. Like I was back at home doing the same job, hanging out with the same people, like almost like nothing had changed. Like, like all my adventures were behind me. And now like you, you were, I was stuck in this rut. So I remembered 
how much I loved writing when I was younger. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe it's time for you to start taking your own dreams seriously. Um, so like I literally just Googled Chicago writing workshop because I've never taken a creative writing class. Like I was an English major in college, but obviously that's more like academic writing. Right. Um, and so, uh, a one day mystery workshop popped up and I was like, oh, this is affordable. I can do this. Um, and it was taught by Lori Rader Day. And I always have to name her because I credit her with one of the main reasons that I, I managed to stick around. So at this workshop, I came up with the idea for my first novel. So Arsenic and Adobo is my first going to be published book, but it's not the first one I finished. Um, so at her workshop, I came up with an idea for a murder mystery at a comic book convention. And um, Lori looked at my work and she was like, is this like, is this your first time? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, you've you've got something here. I think you're a mystery writer. And she really wanted me to keep going. So she invited me to like mystery writers of America meetings and sisters in Christ. And like she really kind of like helped me enter the mystery community and the mystery writing community has been so, so kind to me. Um, that, you know, they were there cheering me on. They all loved the idea of the book. So that book, you know, it got me uh, a grant with, you know, it got me um, a mentorship program. Um, so my mentor is Kelly Garrett. I also credit her with keeping me in the game. Uh, it got me my first agent, but it didn't get me a publishing deal. It was on, you know, uh, it was on submission for about a year and a half. And, you know, the, the, it, it made it to acquisition several times. It made it to the top. But we, the same feedback kept coming back, which is, we love this idea, but we can't sell it. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Three times I made it all the way to acquisitions. Oh. And they're like, mm. you know, my, the agent loved it. An editor loved it, but the sales team did not. And so while that was going on, um, I was writing the next book. And like, that's like my number one advice for any, any up and coming writers right there. Like, don't sit and twiddle your thumbs and hope it's all going to fall into place start working on the next thing. So Arsenic and Adobo is actually the second book I was writing while on submission and getting all those rejections and, you know, it, having something to focus on was really, really great. Um, but when I finished it, my then agent didn't like it. <laughs> and she was, she was very honest with me and I will always appreciate her for this. She said, I love your first book, which I couldn't sell. I don't love your second book, even though I know I could sell it and you deserve someone who loves it. Hmm. Um, Cause we were both kind of at a weird limbo in our careers. And she, and she knew like this was, you know, with the right person, it would go further. And so again, she was looking out for me. I greatly appreciate that as much as it like was heartbreaking at the time. <laughs> like breaking up, right? I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, like with any, any relationship, just because you know, it's the right choice doesn't make it easy right uh, uh. <laughs> having to to query again and put myself out there again and will i ever find you know it, it was really tough yeah that's 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 fascinating to hear too because you you kept you when you came out with like uh so far ahead of right away with the grants and the you you won several awards mm -hmm. and then that book did you know still didn't get published but you kept going i mean that must have been hard to do all to handle all those emotions kind of like a roller coaster ride yeah you know it it sounds like a weird like you know i think someone calls them like champagne problems where it's just like i keep winning these awards but nobody <laughs> wants to publish you know it's, like i'm getting recognition but it wasn't 
and it, it was, you know, it was building, you know, like a place in the community and people were starting to know who I am and they'd be like, so when's your book coming out? And I'm like, I, I'd love to, you know, um, <laughs> um, but luckily, you know, like it, obviously there is a happy ending because my book is coming out. So, you know, I, I queried again and luckily, I, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, this was like unintentionally more marketable or because, you know, some of the emotions I put into it, but, you know, I got offers very quickly. I signed with my new agent and my new agent in turn sold at an auction very quickly. So nothing but roller coasters is all I can say. Well, that's really cool. And I noticed that before we get talk about your writing and your book, I noticed that on your website that you're a, a book coach. And I always wanted to say that because I know I have a lot of aspiring writers listening to this podcast because you basically queried twice successfully. I mean, so mm-hmm. you really know you must, you really got that, that, that part down. So that's kind of, kind of cool. If anyone's struggling with that to uh, check, check your website out. Yeah. Well, thanks, yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, cause then, because like, I, I know how it feels to be on the other end. Like I said, I had a mentor, so I had someone, I was lucky enough to have someone with me every step of the way, you know, even though that book, the first book didn't fit. You know, I wouldn't. I don't want to use the word fail, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, it did what I wanted it to do. It's not my fault that it didn't get published. Um, but even though that book didn't get published, she was with me the whole time. Everything I learned, I was able to apply to the second book. She was with me through the journeys. So, you know, we're still really good friends, and we're co-mentors now in that program. So, like, I know how disheartening it can be, but I also know that like you have to keep going, and having people on your side is part of what helps you keep going. So that's that's why I started book coaching. And so, were you a were you a fan of mysteries before you started to write them as a reader? Were you a fan of the of the genre? Oh yeah, always. Yeah, you know, I grew up in a multi generational household, so I was <laughs> I was that little kid watching like Murder She Wrote and Matlock and Perry Mason <laughs> with my grandparents. You know, my mom was a big like Nancy Drew fan. I grew up with um, Encyclopedia Brown. Um, my, my parents didn't really limit my reading. Like if, like if it was in the house, I could, I could read it. They didn't stop me. Um, which, you know, good and bad. Um, (laughs) but, uh, my mom was like really into like Mary Higgins Clark. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was in grade school, like buddy reading Mary Higgins Clark with my mom. Um, I got into cozy mystery because of my mother. Uh, she worked at the library. She randomly was like, did you know that they write mysteries about like cookie bakers, you know, like, like (laughs) culinary cozy things. And I was just like, okay, sure. You know, it's, it's one of the few things we have in common. So I started reading the same books as her so we could have something to talk about. And I just kind of like really fell in love with the genre. Oh, so you must be really excited to have you in her, your uh, first book coming out. And it's a culinary mystery uh, yes. subgenre. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> like I joke about, like, I can't tell my mom anything that's supposed to be like a publishing secret. Cause you know, like <laughs> things are supposed to be like revealed because she's, you know, it's really sweet, but she's like so excited every time, especially because she works at the library, you know? <laughs> so she's always telling the librarians, it's like, did you know? And I'm just like, mommy, stop. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, really sweet, but I have to be careful yeah, when business. I let her know. Yeah. yeah. On the business side of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about, about, well, about your book. I said, I can, Adobo, how did it all come together and what's it about? Yeah, sure. So it's a it's a culinary cozy mystery. Um, and it's set in a Filipino family restaurant in a fictional um Midwestern town, uh, just, just a couple of hours outside of Chicago where, where I'm from. And 
it follows, you know, like uh, I wanted to play a lot with some of the tropes of the genre. And early on, I had kind of noticed that a lot of the cozies I was reading at the time, obviously not all cozies, but the ones I was reading at the time followed a lot of rom-com tropes, which was, you know, it's always a young woman uh, from a small town. She moves to the big city to try and make something of herself. And for some reason, she can't hack it, whether it's like a failed relationship or her family needs her. So she has to return back home. And like there's almost always like a family business or like a small business thing. And you have to reintegrate yourself into the town and and, and fall in love, you know, either romantically or with the town or with Christmas, you know, something like that. (laughs) So I I wanted to play with that. so it's, it's you know, my protagonist, Lala Macapagal, she is from a town called Shady Palms, Illinois. She moves to Chicago for school and to try to, you know, make big things happen for her. Uh, she gets through a horrible breakup, runs home to kind of lick her wounds and also help out her aunt's restaurant. And she runs into her high school sweetheart. But it because it's a mystery and not a rom-com, <laughs> her ex-boyfriend is a horrible jerk. He's the town's vindictive food critic who's been trying to get her family's business shut down for like a while now. And while um, he's there at the restaurant one day, you know, trying to write a review, he passes out at the table and then later dies. And of course, it's murder and she becomes a prime suspect. And so she's um, she's consumed with trying to clear her name as well as save the family's uh, restaurant uh, reputation. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And is that going to be part of a series or is it a standalone? Or? Yeah, it's a series. Uh, currently, I have a three book contract with Berkeley. So the second book is uh, has been written. I'm waiting on feedback from my editors so I can start the revision process. And I'm also currently working on book three. Uh, like fingers crossed that it does well and I can do more than these three books. But there's definitely you know, more than this one. Oh, that's awesome. And then how's how does that work when you're if you're revising? Do you like can you do both at the same time? Like you you revise in the morning and write the new one in the, in the afternoon, or do you have to stick to one? <laughs> Oof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the honest truth, it depends on how tight, which deadline it is. Deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I, in an ideal world, I would focus on one at a time, um, but that's not how this works. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to promo one book, revise another book while drafting the third, you know, so that's, that's kind of the world I'm in. Luckily there, I mean, the good and the bad thing about like, publishing is they'll go long stretches where you don't hear anything. So like, I'll have like a couple of months, like, yes, I don't, I can forget about this and like really, really dive into this one thing. But there, it's also one of those like, hurry up and wait. So like, you'll get nothing for months. And then suddenly like, Hey, there's these five things we need you to look at. And we need them like yesterday. And you're just like, Oh, oh," you know, so it's, it's hard for me to switch. Like I can't do like one in the morning, one in the afternoon, unless like, I'm really, really pressed for time. Cause like my, like I'm a, I'm a bit of a slow writer. I try to immerse myself as much as possible. And so even though these are the same characters in the same world, you know, I, I'd feel really silly if I accidentally mixed up, you know, like the the crimes or, or what was particularly going on, since they are, you know, pretty different from book to book. And so we were talking about the with a with a culinary mystery uh, angle. Um, so obviously the food is very important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you merge that in the the food and the writing? How did that come together for you? And is is the food is it is it like is it Filipino food? Can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that? 
Yeah, it's Filipino food. So the way I look at it, a lot of times in the Kalingar, it's 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 just like, oh, this is here, like a fun, cool recipe that someone fits thematically. With me, because it's Filipino food and because food means so much to me as uh, as a kid from an immigrant family, a plate of food is never just a plate of food, um, especially not in my writing anyway. So like I use it to show character. I show it like, uh, like development, uh, like relationship dynamics. I use it to maybe, you know, teach a little bit about uh, my culture, people who are not familiar with what Filipino food is or, or how it's eaten or like the, the wide variety that's there, you know, like, like arsenic and adobo, we, you know, we say adobo is like the Philippines national dish, but there's no one recipe, you know, it's an archipelago of over 7,000 islands, you know, you know, people are going to look at my recipe and be like, that's not how my mom makes it or my grandmother, or in my case, my dad, you know? Um, so, but that, that personal touch, I think is what, is kind of important, right? For me, like food is family, it's community, and it's a way of showing love. And in, the, in the, this family particularly, that's how Tita Rosie, her, her aunt who runs the restaurant, um, you know, not, not to generalize too much, but in a lot of Asian cultures, you know, particularly Filipino cultures, like the words, I love you, are not things that are said, right? These are things that are shown. And, um, for this family and for many families, food is how that love is shown. And so even though it doesn't necessarily, well, I mean, in some ways at times it's the mystery, like no, no, no spoilers, but, mm-hmm. but the, the reason it's such a huge focus is because for me, it's, it's about the character and it's about bringing the community together. What about like the, the recipe component? Do you like put recipes in there? Could somebody follow up one of the recipes in the book or how does that work? Yeah. There yeah. are recipes at the end. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so it's it's really fun because like if I'm like baking and making sweets, I can be like, it's research, it's not me procrastinating <laughs> from writing. Yes, I'll definitely use this later. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how did it go for you? For the, um, I was curious about the research process. I mean, how did you? How did how did that go for you? Like, how much? What's your research process like before you sit down to actually write the book? Oh, well, so I try not to research too much in the beginning because I don't want to because like a lot of times when I was writing my first book like I would be writing and I'm like oh is that how it really is and I'd stop writing and then go down a research hole and then like oh well like there's my day you know I I I got no words down because I I started googling things um but in book two I you know with this book I learned oh maybe I should research some things (laughs) because in an earlier draft um you know, I, I you know, I, I said I wrote about half the book, or re- like in the first draft, I wrote about half of it, and then I sent it to um, some critique partners, uh, just be like, "Is this book going anywhere? Do you think I should continue this? Like, is it holding up?" And the person, the people I sent it to, one was a former lawyer, and one was a person who's a, a pathologist, so they work in the medical field, and like I chose them very carefully, and thank goodness I did because. Both of them sent feedback screaming at me about like HIPAA violations and like <laughs> this would not work. You know, this person would lose their job. This person would get it. And I was just like, oh, man, that's something I should have researched because I didn't know. But it's also one of the like you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. kind of a things. Right. Like I knew I would have to research the poison. 
right? I needed to know like which ones would make sense, which ones are easily available, what are the symptoms are like. You know, I'm probably on some sort of FBI watch list because of that. Because <laughs> some very specific questions I was trying to plug into <laughs> into Google. So like, ooh, should start using an, uh, an incognito window for that. Um, so like, you know, I knew to look those up. But, th- but those were like, well, I don't need the nitty gritty yet, right? I can just kind of bracket and do that later. But some things, like the legal aspects, I was like, oh, wow. If like big plot points are hinging on me getting this thing right, I probably should have researched that first instead of having to go back, <laughs> mm-hmm. cut all of that out, and then rewrite from there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah like you said, uh, yeah, you only know what you, what you know. I used to work with insurance, so I know about HIPAA, but most people would be like, huh, what's that? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, like it's not a spoiler. So I I can say, so like in the original thing, you know, um, the, my protagonist uh, cousin is a nurse at the hospital and she asks her for information on the victim. And I thought like, well, this person is dead, right? It wouldn't hurt to know maybe some information about the led to it. Like, oh no, apparently, uh, even after death, it's, it's still like legally binding. You cannot do that. And, um, I mean, in the end it worked out better because, that was lazy writing, if I'm going to be honest, right? Like, like, oh, I have this connection. I'm going to walk up to them. I'm going to ask for the information. They're going to give it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's great. But story-wise, it doesn't really go anywhere. You know, that, you know, that's like just happening to be in the right place and overhearing information. Like, you should, the character should be able to work for it. So even though that was like, not great throwing out all those pages I had already written, it forced me to be more creative. So I do appreciate that at least. And do you um uh, do you outline your books before you start to write them, or you write by the seat of your pants? Uh, I'm a bit more of an outliner. Like I'm not mm-hmm. a heavy outliner. Like there are people I know, you know, like I guess I think like 13, 14, 15 page outlines. Like that's too much for me. Um, I do this thing called the inside island that I learned through my my book coaching uh, certification course, um, where it's like you I I think up the major plot points ahead of time, you know, like just so you can see like the shape of the story and then how they fit in and why. And then once I have those major building blocks, then I can go ahead and write. And what do you use to write? Do you use a word or some other program? Um, I'll use words. Like I used to use like Google Docs all the time, but then now I use Word. And I also, if I'm drafting, I tend to use the, uh, the, um, the alpha smart neo like do you oh, it's like yeah. a word processor yeah yeah. Those. Yeah. yeah yeah you can't do yeah. anything else exactly the little, the little screen <laughs> yeah. exactly the screen is tiny there's no internet connection um because i i'm one of those people you know when i first started writing as if i'm so far behind you know but like i would spend so long polishing those early pages and never really moving forward mm-hmm. um which you know, like sometimes those early pages don't even make it into the book, right? Like sometimes you start in the wrong place and you spent like months polishing pages that don't even make it in. So uh, I I think I tend to shine during revision. Drafting is not my strong point. So an alpha smart forces me to be like, well, I can't go back. Uh, you know, I can't revise on this thing. So I just have to keep pushing forward and just t- get this general idea down. And then later on, I can actually make it good, right? The point, <laughs> the point of the first draft is not that it's good, it's that it's done. <laughs> yeah. And then everything else comes later in layers. Yeah. 
And so I was kind of curious too, with this, uh, the crazy pandemic year that we've all had, how has that affected, has it changed your writing process at all? Or did any delays in your publishing? How has that uh, affected you? Um, so I used to, so before the pandemic, I was like an English language instructor. Um, unfortunately, the the entire branch of the company I worked at closed down at the beginning of the pandemic. But uh, with both the, you know, my first book and then this book, I did a lot of my writing um, in empty classrooms afterward because like I, I, when I'm at home, I can't concentrate as well, you know, like I, that's where like my video games are and like my books and other things that are not like having to work. Um, so like I would just lock myself in an empty classroom for hours and and be able to write and focus that way. And then suddenly it's like, oh, now all I have is I have to make it work here at home and I have to try to make it focus. And it's still a learning process. I don't know that I have a process that's like that works all the time. Um, a lot of times I'm very swayed by my mood, which is like not how a professional writer needs to be. Right. I can't wait till that muse strikes, but I'm getting a little bit better at it. You know, enough time has passed that I've kind of made peace yeah. <laughs> with losing my original process and having to, to start a new one. And do you, uh, what do you foresee for the future with your, in your books? Are you going to address the uh, pandemic? Are you like, you know, are your characters going to be wearing masks or have you, th- <laughs> have you thought about that? No, I think because, you know, these are cozies and they're meant to be like, like, like an entertaining, I think it'll exist in like, like an alternate universe, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a world outside, because I don't reference dates at, at the very least. So there's that. Um, and also I already deal with some heavier issues than a lot of cozies do. Um, I still try to make it light and entertaining, but I also don't shy away from the fact that this is crime fiction. Mm-hmm. You know, despite it, suppose you know, despite the the adorable bright cover and, and the the cute animal and all that, um, I think adding the pandemic would just be like one step too many. You know, the point of cozies are that they're escapist. Yes. That they're fun and they're happy and justice is served in the end, depending on what your vision of justice looks like. But there there is an ending that is justified. So yeah, I'm keeping that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been asking my uh, guests that and I think only one has a is gonna has addressed it. And most everyone else is like, no, <laughs> like COVID fatigue. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard when you're actually living in it, you know, like five yeah. years. From, but then again, that, but then that wouldn't be contemporary. But, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's crazy. Uh, so uh, the character of Lila, how is that? Uh, how, did that how did she come to you? Is that um, is she based on you at all or people, you know, how did that? Uh, how did she come yeah. together for you? Yeah, so I love saying it's because. It was the first time that a story unfolded so e- well. I said easily for, for a writer. As as a writer, it was easier um, because the first line came to me fully formed, like w- which includes the character's name. Like I did not choose the name. Somehow it just like popped into my head, and it was like, um, "My name is Lila Makapagal, and my life has become a rom com cliche." Like boom, that first line was, and it hasn't changed from like when I was riding the train in 2018, the two to now that it coming out, like that has always been the same. Um, but because I was playing with like some of these, like, the rom-com shops that I brought up earlier, like I knew there were certain things about her that would be very different for me. Like I knew I wanted it to be a small town. 
Um, Because you could have big city cozies, but like it it didn't work with what I was going for. And so in a weird way, when I first started thinking of this character, like who she would be, I I tried to think of her as like an alternate version of myself. Um, Because I grew up in like a working class, lower middle class, um, majority Latinx neighborhood of Chicago. And a lot of my parents' friends uh, had a lot more money than us, and they were more middle class, upper middle class Filipinos in majority white suburbs, uh, but they happened to have large Filipino communities that they um, available to them, which I didn't. So I met like, who would I be if I was if I was born and raised in a different, you know, not, not like even a different country, but literally just a different area of the of Chicagoland? If I had maybe, you know, access to a different kind of school system, if I actually had a Filipino community around me to support me, um, but I was also in a majority white area and trying to figure out how I fit in there. Um, and, you know, that person would be very different than, than me. Uh, which is what I was going for, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you can only write so many self inserts before it gets <laughs> before it gets a little tiresome. But there are there are certain aspects of me in there, you know. Um, we both kind of had like a a big fish in a small pond syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Like so, you know, I grew up across the street from a ball bearings factory next to the train tracks. Um, a lot of people didn't graduate high school, let alone go to college in my area. You know, so like I always wondered, like, what would it be like? to you know get out do something bigger do something more um and she has that same feeling so at, at the very least on that level we can I, I can kind of understand her but we diverge in many different ways and when is, is the second book coming out in uh, next year is that, yeah it's no? uh february 2022 oh wow they already have the date and everything yeah <laughs> i mean the 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 cover the 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 cover is already finalized the back cover copy it uh, comes out um i'm not sure when this is released but the the cover will be out about around may 8th around the same week that i debut oh, so cool. I, have, I have a lot of like oh you like this book well this one's already ready for <laughs> pre-order <laughs> kind nice of thing. yeah, yeah I, I love your covers too were you excited when you first saw that it must have been uh, so cool uh to see that for the first time. Yeah. It's because like, I'm not a very visual person. So like writing descriptions is like the hardest for me. So in first drafts, it's always like insert description and I'll figure it out later. So like, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. Like they asked me like, what are some things you know, you would like to see? And, you know, most of my friends actually had like covers them that they loved and wanted to reference. And I didn't, I didn't know like Mm -hmm. what cover would be right. So like, all I said was like, you know, if she's on it, I want her to look actually like Filipino, like not like generic Asian, which unfortunately happens to a lot of things. I want mm-hmm. her, I want the dog to be on there because this is a cozy after all, you know, got to give the people what they want. And, you know, uh, and, I, and, the, and the food, right? Like it's, it's like an adobo. Maybe we can work that a plate of food in there somehow. And like, they took my very vague, <laughs> like that, like that was like literally, it. I gave them those three things. 
And then, you know, they eventually came up with the the cover that you see now. And I'm just like, I love it so much. I put it on everything, you know, as you know, unfortunately, this is not visual, but Alan can see that there's a giant canvas hanging in my office of the cover. Yeah. You know, I have my phone cover has it. I have a <laughs> mug. It's like I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. The colors are really great, too. So, yeah. So people have to go check it out on the on your website or on Amazon, <laughs> wherever they buy your books. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And um, so before I let you go, I always like to end things with, um, uh, especially with you being a book coach, we already had talked a little bit about this, but what's the best advice for an aspiring writer that you could have that that comes in your head? Write for yourself first and foremost. Um, Like there's no point in chasing trends because like the way publishing works, it takes so long. Again, this book is coming out next week. I started it in 2018, you know, Um, (laughs) it's, and this is actually kind of fast, you know, for, for some people's publishing journey, you know, I know people who sold their book before me and their book comes out like the year after mine. So by the time your book will come out, it's, it's already too late if you're trying to chase a trend and also like writing is already so hard. It can be so disheartening. The, the industry can be very opaque that if you, if it's not something that means something to you in some way, right, you don't have to love everything, but there has to be aspects of it that you really cling to. It, it's going to be really hard to, to make it in this biz. Mm-hmm. And then um, also like if you're soon to be published, don't read your reviews. Those are for, those are for readers. <laughs> Do not argue with anyone. Just let it go. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I don't, yeah, good or bad, I stay away from your, reading your reviews. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the book's already done. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't change it for you, but I yeah. really appreciate you taking the time to read my book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to please everybody either. So, <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's not for everyone. And I fully yeah. understand that. That's fine. Yeah. So what's the best place uh, for uh, for listeners to find you? Um, I love your website, by the way. Is that uh, I'm assuming that's the best place to find you? Yeah, so that's my website, which is www.miapmanansala.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, mostly Twitter and Instagram, at MPM, the writer. All right, great, Mia. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and talking to us. I uh, really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. If you have a moment, please do check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links, where you'll be able to rate and review this podcast, or simply rate this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it, uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, whichever podcast app you prefer. Uh, please take a moment to rate this uh, podcast. It's the best way to help other fans of uh, mystery and thriller books to find the uh, podcast. And uh, it helps me get the word out. And so it's the best way to support the podcast. So I do appreciate that. And if you're interested, you can join my Thrilling Reads mailing list. You'll find the uh, sign up form at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. Once you subscribe for free, you'll be notified about discounts and deals on great books in the mystery, thriller, and crime fiction genres. You'll also find my social media links and my author website over at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. So check it out and say hi. All right. Take care and stay safe until we meet again on the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author.